Do you ever wonder what God's voice sounds like? Jesus is what God's voice sounds like. He is literally the living word of God. Hearing his voice is not so much a skill we must master, but a master we must meet, says Pete Gregg in his book, How to Hear God. He goes on to say, the Bible says that you were created to enjoy a real conversational relationship with God. Hearing his voice is therefore the most natural thing in the world. You probably do it already more than you realize. Yes, you probably do it more than you already realize. Well, it's a joy to be with you this morning as I'm Mark Whited. I had the privilege of serving with a great team of people throughout our body in the mobilization department. And welcome to all of you that are joining us online, joining us in the chapel, and joining us here in the worship center. Now I'm excited this morning to, to, to be on this journey with you as we explore God's real love. Now, Phil launched the Real Love series, um, Unpacking Hesed, that special term that denotes real love, loves long. And then John expanded our vision of biblical peace, or shalom, with real love, loves wide. And last week, Matthew enlarged our understanding of biblical hospitality, real love, loves deep. Now, maybe you've wondered, how do I move from where I am today to a stronger place of living out this real love? Today's message is good news, because now we can discover that the, even the ability to love like this is not something that's totally dependent upon our effort. Instead, it's a gift, a gift that God gives us through his Holy Spirit. So we could say then that God's love that grows real love within us. We could also say that God loves us, and then he loves others through us. So that's what we were made for. So in today's message, we're going to be exploring how real love listens and responds to God's voice through his spirit. So to be clear from the start, listening and responding to the spirit is always consistent with scripture and the life and character of Jesus. And also, listening and responding to the spirit is not just for rock star Christians, it's for all of us. So today, first, we're going to kind of walk through a few examples from the Bible regarding listening and responding to God's voice. And then we're going to have a conversation with Kristen Weinzappel about her journey in keeping in step with the Spirit. Lastly, then we'll land the plane on how to live a life of real love as we are being sent by Jesus to where we live, work, and play, and beyond. So to begin, in the early years of my following Jesus, I did not have a good impression about listening to the Spirit. I saw people on TV and elsewhere who were manipulating you know, that reality for their own selfish purposes. So I pretty much dismissed it. But then I just kept seeing in Scripture, Scripture is related to this whole reality of walking in step with the Spirit. I thought, I need to grow in this reality as I follow Jesus. Because I began to understand that following Jesus was not just an intellectual exercise. 
So the three primary realities that God reveals to us through Scripture and Spirit are who God is, who God says we are in him, and who God says we can be by relying on his power. So this is the foundation. Everything else kind of flows out of those realities. So a great snapshot of that is in Ephesians 1, where Paul prays for the Ephesian Christians. I keep asking that the Lord God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And he goes on to relate that power to the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. So let's further unpack then about who God is, who God says we are in him, and who God says we can be by relying on his power, by looking at a few verses from Romans and then Galatians. So let's begin at Romans 8.14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Wow. As we are led by the Spirit of God, we embody the reality of being daughters and sons of God. Then the Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And that term Abba is like Papa or Daddy. So the Spirit of God is greater than the spirit of fear or shame. The Spirit of God is greater than our junk from the past or from the present. That's great news, but it gets better. The next part of verse 15 would have been shocking to the ears of the people in Paul's era in talking about this adoption to sonship. In the Greco-Roman world, about 50% of children died before they were 10 years old. In Roman law, only the oldest living son could be the heir of the family's estate. So due to that 50% mortality rate of children, it was very common for a father to have no living heirs within his family, no sons. So they would then do this legal transaction called an adoption to sonship. So then he would have someone then to help run his business and also to have an heir. So often these adoptions would would be with adult men who had already proven themselves and who were not the oldest living sons in their families. So when Paul said, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, he was adapting a very familiar term into a new kingdom reality. The adopted heirs of this new kingdom included women and men, poor and rich, slaves and free, and people from every ethnicity. Wow, that is a dramatic change. Then verse 16, 
The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We have all been adopted by God. So be assured that the Spirit of God then wants to confirm that to us, to testify to our spirits that we are loved, we are daughters and sons of God. We can be confident in our identity in Jesus. We can be confident then of his calling for our lives and so much more as he confirms that to us. Then Paul places a huge exclamation point on it in verse 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We are kingdom co-heirs with Jesus, the Son of God. That is our relationship with Jesus. That is our responsibility to Jesus and our reality in Jesus as we are being transformed into more of his likeness. So now let's go to Paul's letter to the Galatians. Here we can see real love and encouragement to be led by the Spirit in a challenging situation. This is one of Paul's most intense letters. He says things like, I'm astonished at how quickly you are deserting the true gospel. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, literally? Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. A nice, touchy-feely letter. But Paul does not write them off. Just as Jesus saw a greater vision for people before they did, despite their messiness, Paul is also seeing a greater vision for the people in the Galatian churches. And part of this greater vision is a strong call to keep in step with the Spirit. He says it four times in different ways. So let's start down with chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Paul urges them to walk by the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit. So then we get a major snapshot of the messiness in those churches. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. A stern warning indeed. But even in their messy sin, Paul is not telling them it's too late or you've gone too far. He is telling them through the help of the Holy Spirit, there is another way that brings life. If they listen and obey what God is saying to them, there is power waiting for them to help them move past their junk 
Because the spirit of God is greater than our junk. Another dimension of that greater vision is the fruit of the spirit to be flourishing in their relationships and then outward then into their communities. Verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, or shalom, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This fruit will only be born as they continue to crucify their flesh, die to their pride, die to their selfishness, their envy, and all those other things, and keep in step with the Spirit. So that's true for all of us. And that can only happen then as we continually recognize who God is, who God says we are in him, and who God says we can be by relying on his power to transform us more into the likeness of Jesus. So when together we do that, real love will be loosed in greater and greater ways. So how do we today keep in step with the Spirit? Well, I'd like to invite Kristen Weinzappel up on the stage to kind of share what that has looked like for her. Let's welcome her to the platform. Hello, Kristen. Hello, Mark. Ah, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Me too. Yes, yes, yes. So anyway, so a little background. Uh, my wife Becky and I have known, been close friends with Kristen and her family for really almost all of Kristen's life. And Kristen grew up at Crossroads, and her husband Stephen um, have two children, Sam, who is two, and Junior, who is six months. Uh, Kristen has been on staff at the Student Christian Fellowship, the campus ministry at USI, for eight years. Whew, man, oh man. And so, and even though I've known Kristen for a long time, um, the past, in the past 10 years, I just have seen some really beautiful uh, growth and dimension of Kristen's life as she has grown in, in like listening to God's voice and walking in that way. And so that's why she's with us today. So with that then, um, so how did, how did it become more conscious listening and walking a step for the Spirit? How'd that kind of begin for you? Yeah, so it was really uh, my senior year of high school. I was in a small group. Aslan Carter was one of the leaders, and we were getting ready to do a study on prayer. And as we started that, she encouraged each of us for the duration of that study to choose something that we were going to pray and ask God for, something that was bigger than we could do on our own, just as a way to grow our faith. And so I was very spiritual when I was a senior in high school, and so I prayed for the biggest thing that I could think of, and I prayed and asked God for a date to prom because I knew that only the power of the Almighty God could bring that miracle to pass. And I prayed. And I prayed, and every week we'd check in. You've got a day. Has anyone asked you yet? No, but I'm still praying. You know, every week, every week. Oh, but we got, you know, kind of down to the wire because, like, my friends were all making dinner plans, and I wanted to eat dinner before prom. And, um, and so 
One week I was driving, driving my minivan to small group and I knew they were going to ask again, if God provided. And, and so I kind of like in desperation, just kind of threw this prayer out, like, God, are you ever going to provide? And I just remember really clear in my spirit, a strong, yes, I am going to provide for you. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> um, it was the first time that I, God, I mean, maybe I'd heard God speak before, but it was definitely the first time God had responded to me, to my cry for help, silly as it was at the time. But um, that was really a turning point for me. And after that, I wanted to learn more. I wanted to grow. And I said, I want to I wanna follow this God more closely. Right. And did, did you have a good time at, at prom? I did. God provided a date a week before. So, you know, <laughs> the Lord's timing is not ours. But yes, I had a great time. It was really a gift from God. Good, good, good. All righty. So then, so what was kind of key for you growing and listening, obeying God's voice? Yeah, so, you know, after that, I really started paying attention to how other people around me were listening and responding to God. So, you know, your example, along with Becky and some of your teaching, like, was really key for me. Um, Mission trips that I went on that were solely focused on prayer, really just any opportunity to pray with others and observe how they were listening and responding to the Spirit. So what are some practical ways that we can put ourselves into a better position to better hear God's voice? Yeah, a couple things. Um, The first, I would say, is just make sure that there is quiet space in your life. Um, It is easy to have lots of voices and always have something going on. Um, And so we sometimes have to work to make or just kind of take that quiet space. So whether that's when you're driving in the car alone, um, maybe it's in the shower. Um, Some some of us in in some seasons might have long times in the morning. We can get up before others in our house and and have that quiet time with the Lord. And there's other seasons when you don't have that much time. And there's other seasons when you don't, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's usually um, the 20 minutes after I've dropped my kids off in the car. Um, so another thing that I try to do is I, as much as I can, I try to write down when I think God is saying something to me. Um, it is easy for me and I think others to, to overthink something until I forget it and then it's gone. And then whether that was God or not there, it's gone. So if I think God's saying something as I'm praying and asking him, I will write it down, even if it's a note in my phone so that I can come back to it later and says, okay, does this line up with scripture? Does this um, line up with what I know of the character of God? Is this in line with other things that God is speaking to me? And I can go back and like test it, um, but that way I don't forget it. Yeah. Um, another simple way to just take some practical steps is to meditate on God's word. And this is really different than like study or like intellectual reading, um, but to meditate on his word, we, you know, read through a passage slowly. Um, we read through it a couple times and we really pay attention to what, what in that passage is standing out? And then we say, okay, Lord, this is standing out to me. What do you want to say to me about this? How do you want me to apply this in my life, in this, in this time of my life? Mm-hmm. Well, great, good, good. So, so what are some ways that we can kind of better just grow in discerning God's voice, whether it's our voice or the voice of culture or the pizza we had for dinner? Yeah, well, one of them I mentioned already, like, and you mentioned early on in your sermon, does it line up with scripture? What we hear from the spirit will always be in line with with scripture and with what we know of the heart and the character of God. You know, does it bring peace? Does it bring life? Um, is, it, is there a sense of conviction, not condemnation? And so it will always be in line with that. Um, sometimes if I'm unsure of something, I will ask God to speak it again, especially if it's something I need to do or say, and I want to be a little more confident. Um, I'll just ask God, will you speak this in a way, another way at another time, just so I know I'm, I'm on track? Um, 
And, and I'm not afraid to ask for help either. Like there's times when I'm not sure if this is God's leading, if this is the spirit's leading. And so again, especially if it's a big decision, I will invite others into that. And I'll ask, you know, does this sound like the voice of God to you? Um, does this seem in line with what you know of God and with what you know of, um, of me and what God's doing in my life at this time? Yeah. And God loves it when we ask him questions, whether they're small questions or bigger life questions at all. He loves that and gives, us a ch- gives him a chance. So what are some things to kind of keep in mind as we walk in the spirit? Yes, the two main things that I try to keep in mind are one, humility, and another is just the, the intention to obey. Um, so as far as humility, like all of us are on a journey, no matter how long we've been walking with the Lord, we are always growing in deeper relationship with the Lord. And so that means that we're gonna mess it up along the way. And that's okay, that's how we learn, just as in all relationships, we mess it up sometimes. And so um, we just keep that in mind. Um, we're, I'm, I try to never be like really confident with like, this is what God is saying. I'm like, man, as much as I know the heart and the voice of God, this is how he's leading us. But I'm open to God revealing more along the way. I'm open to correction from others and we, as we learn together how to listen. Um, the obedience too is so, so important. Um, and Jesus actually told a parable about this in Luke 6. And he describes the difference between a house that is well built and a house that has no foundation at all. And the difference is, the, the house with the strong foundation is someone who hears God's words and puts it into practice. The house that has no foundation is just someone who hears God's voice and does not put it into practice. And so I want that firm foundation. And so whenever I'm asking God anything, it is so that I can live it out in my life because that is a firm foundation. What are some other examples from your life with, with that? Yeah, uh, one early example, um, early on in college, I started, um, before I'd go back to school each year, just kind of asking God for a passage for the year, whether it was more of like a prophetic of this is what God was gonna do in my life or like this was something I needed to do during the year, you know, something like that. So one, the second year I went back to school, uh, I went to Anderson, I was in school in Anderson, Indiana. Um, And Jeremiah 29 is what God spoke. And so I just started reading through that. And as I was reading, verse seven was just like leaping off the page at me. And I was like, okay, Lord, what what are you trying to say to me through this? And so that verse says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will have welfare. And so it was pretty clear. I need to do something to invest in that city, not just in my campus community. It's easy to be in a bubble, but I was really convicted. The Lord wanted me to invest in the people of Anderson. And so there was a, I just started thinking through, okay, what do I know? How can I do this? And there was a ministry that I had done some volunteering with the year before. um, And I decided that I was just going to commit to tutoring kids in that ministry twice a week for the rest of my college career. And I did, and I would arrange my class schedule every semester as much as I could to be there as much as I could to invest in those kids and even started doing some stuff on the weekends with them and their families and just as a way to bless the city and help those kids graduate. And that's great because those, those at-risk kids, they, they needed people to come alongside them. And so that's beautiful to see that you sought the welfare of your city for those three years in that way. Thanks. Um, something that's a little more recent is just um, my husband and I lead a small group. And every, every week at the end of our small group, we always end by all together, all of us praying and asking God, how do we put this into practice? Um, whatever we've read. And we just take a few minutes, we're silent, and then we each share um, not everyone has something every time, but it's usually something small, like I need to pray more about this, or I need to reach out to this person, or uh, I'm gonna do this in my devotions 
on my own this week. Um, and somebody else in the group writes it down and then we all come back to it at the beginning of the next week and say, okay, how did it go? What did you see God do in your life through that? So one last question. And so kind of what do you do when God appears to kind of be silent or more distant? How do you kind of navigate that? Yeah, those are hard seasons. Um, I mean, the first thing we can always do is kind of run through, you know, is there something getting in a way? Like, are we just really busy or are there just too many other voices? Uh, It's just hard to hear God when in the din of lots of other voices. So, you know, or, or is there an unwillingness to obey? Maybe did you not obey the last thing that God told you? And so, you know, kind of need to go back to that. But there are just seasons when God is silent and it doesn't mean that we've done anything wrong. It doesn't mean that we aren't obedient. It just, there are seasons when God is silent. Um, and so in those seasons, we hold on to what we know is true, Amen. that God does speak, that he has adopted us as his sons, mm-hmm that he wants to be in relationship with us. And so this is not punishment, um, that this is just part of walking with Christ. And I mean, in most cases, in every case so far I've experienced, it's not like it forever. Um, we just, and so in the midst of it, we just keep showing up. We show up to listen. We keep making that quiet space. Um, even if it doesn't seem like productive, like we haven't heard much from God, um, it honors God to keep showing up and saying, I believe that you are a God who speaks and that you want to speak to me. And so I'm gonna keep showing up to honor that truth because I believe it's true and because I believe you will start speaking again. Um, In Jeremiah 31, it says that the people of God found grace in the wilderness. And so when things are really hard, that's what I hold on to, that there somehow there is grace for us in the wilderness. And usually when I look back on those seasons, I can see that those were the seasons when God matured my faith more than any other times. Those are the seasons when I grew the most, even though I did not hear God, um, he was at work in my lives in ways I could not discern at the time, but I could see them down the road. Right. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your heart and your life. Thank thank you, you, Mark. Mm -hmm. Well, on the screen, there'll be some, uh, you can get more. Uh, Kristen has a really brief handout that's really good. It's out of the Connection Center. Or you can look, you can find it also at cccgo.com slash info under sermon resources. And also during the sermon resources, there's also, there's the, the roadmap track that you can click on that says learn the Spirit's voice. And there's other great resources there to go deeper with this. So... I'm grateful for that time, grateful for that encouragement, and grateful for that practicalness of that very much. So a mentor once told me, Mark, 80% of following Jesus is showing up. So it's when we show up in whatever it is that we are more readily, we will more readily see God show up. So absolutely, we need to keep listening and responding to to the Spirit But we don't need to wait for a sign from heaven to simply show up. The powerful thing about showing up is, is that you are already in motion. You are engaging with God in some way, like as Kristen alluded to, or you're showing up with other people or whatever that environment is. If we are attentive to God in that process, then we give God a bigger open door, allowing him to speak and to lead us in that moment or later on that day or down the road. 
John 10 talks about how Jesus, you know, he, he talks about how his sheep listen to his voice. He calls them by their names and he leads them. We worship and serve a God who speaks. He also said, whoever has ears, let them hear. So may we grow together as a body, as our families, and beyond that, to come to be more expectant, more attentive, and then more responsive to God's voice. So I'm excited for Crossroads as we grow together in real love, as we listen and respond to God, loving long, loving wide, and loving deep. His kingdom will grow. More of heaven will come to our community in many, in many great, beautiful ways. So that's what love our city is about as well. It's releasing real love, more of heaven into our schools, our workplaces, neighborhoods, and overlooked areas in our communities. And so as we kind of move into this special week of loving our city, and, and we're considering, you know, like for next Sunday when we're not going to be meeting, you know, to kind of consider like, where, where then can we serve or move out in special ways where we live, work, and play? And there's practical things on there. Those are just ideas, but you can add your own ideas to it for sure. Whether it's spending time with somebody in a nursing home or writing a letter to a friend to encourage them that you haven't talked to for a long time or giving attention to a family that has, you know, kind of, you know, some certain needs or you, you know they're going through a hard time, you know, buy some cookies, bake some cookies, be with them. Whatever that, whatever that might be, that's something that we can do not just this coming week or next Sunday morning, but in all the days and weeks ahead to kind of build this trajectory into our lives and to our family's life as well. So as we go on this journey, this coming week and the weeks ahead, it's important for us to be expectant because God has things for us to learn. You know, because these, these things that we're doing, they're not just like something that we only do. It's only, not just something one way coming out of us for somebody else. But we then must also then realize this is a two-way street. And that to come with that expectancy of learning from them or learning from that situation or learning from that area of, of town or whatever it might be. Just as Chris Warner mentioned in the video last week with his friend Nick, was you know, how much Chris had learned from Nick through all those years of their friendship. So, so whether we're you know, helping restore a house for Community One or, or we're you know, you know, valuing somebody at a nursing home by being with them, be expectant that God has something for us to learn, and that's going to continue our transformation of G- into more of the likeness of Jesus. There are treasures waiting for us. So whether we serve in these specific areas next Sunday or just kind of our own, however we want to do it, just go for it. And it would be exciting to see what happens. So, so, so then with that then, let's pray. Jesus, as You were sent by the Father to bring life and restoration to all people. So you now send us in our everyday world, 52 weeks out of the year, to embody your real love by the power of your spirit. Amen. Amen.